Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk to you about college basketball, the NFL, the MLB, and of course, your weekly turtle tab, Mike Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions here on episode 122. So you thought Dak was going to get the sack, Jack? Well, you're wrong. That man signed a contract extension that's going to make that man retiring a cowboy with a pension. But probably not. We'll get into that later. But first up, we got you some college basketball coming right at you. Yeah, that was that was something. Kind of like this Iowa State men's basketball season. Um, forgettable. Uh, they, <laughs> yeah, so... Um, I mean, what what is there to say when your team goes 0 and 16 in conference? 0 and 18 in conference. We need to make it worse than it is. Uh, They, um, yeah, you're on the wrong side of history here. But hey, it's hard to beat a team three times, right? So does that mean that Iowa State's going to absolutely steamroll through the Big 12 championship? Hey. Kansas City is still Hilton South. That's all I'm saying. And and Iowa State is still defending Big 12 champion title or Big 12 champions. Yes, because even though they even though Iowa State did lose in the Big 12 tournament last year before the rest of it got canceled, nobody won. So that means even though we know Iowa State wouldn't have been the champions last year, technically nobody else has been. So Iowa State is still the reigning Big 12 tournament champion. Um, yeah, just a few more notes. Um, the 0-18, it's only the third time in Big 12 history that that's happened. Um, TCU did it back in like 2017, and then Texas A&M did it before they bolted for the SEC once. Um, did you know, I think it is over it's like the last 11 years, only three teams have won the Big 12 tournament. Kansas, Iowa State, and... Uh... Oklahoma State. Wyatt, do you have a guess? Um, Oklahoma. Missouri. Oh, um, yes, that's Miami. right. Missouri, Missouri won a few before they left. Missouri won it like the year that they – the year before they left. Yep. That's correct. With, oh, I remember that coach's face. Kim English was the co- head coach for Missouri at that point. Everyone look it up. That was, yeah. a, that was a good that was a good Missouri basketball team. Probably the last time that Missouri has really been anything of no, noteworthy, really. They were ranked highly at one point this year, at least. I don't they, know if they still yeah, are. Yeah, they're I mean they're starting to get back there, but for a long time, once they went to the SEC, both in football and basketball, they were absolutely everything short of noteworthy. And didn't they also have that that first round pick once? Or didn't we have a first round pick well, from Missouri? Yeah, so they had Michael Porter Jr., who was the number one overall recruit, I believe, in 2017. Ended up he only played like three games and then blew out his back. Yeah. So they, he plays for the Denver Nugget now. So we're getting sidetracked. But yeah, that is actually a great stat, Mike. Um Really, everyone who has dominance at this tournament is KU and Iowa State. The both both teams who have really home court advantage, I would say. KU with Lawrence uh, being really only forty minutes away from the Sprint Center, it's located in Kansas City, and then Iowa State always showing out um, at the 
the sprint center as well as the power and light district outside where are absolutely always pack in at the power and light district but who knows what that atmosphere will be like this year i haven't heard too much about it but anyway the the tournament is happening uh the seating has been announced um baylor did end up winning the conference they did so with an absolutely insane game against West Virginia earlier last week. If you didn't get to watch that game, it went into overtime. And it was probably one of the games of the year, if not the game of the year in the conference. Um, But Baylor ended up winning. KU in one of their down years ends up getting second in the conference to the dismay of pretty much everyone, but at least they didn't end up winning. Uh, And then as, as it goes to show, this conference is very deep. The AP rankings came out again this week featuring seven teams uh, in the Big 12 in the top 25 with OU rounding out at number 25. And I believe three teams all bunched up between 10, 11, or 12, and 12, or like 11 through 13 as well with uh, KU, Texas, and Oklahoma State. So come actual March Madness time, you're going to see a ton of these Big 12 teams uh, stacked up in possibly the top four seeds of the tournament, if not the top five seed in the tournament. Not top five seeds overall, but yes, on the one through five seed lines. Right. right. Yes. Yep. Um, but before we get there, there is the conference tournament. Um, as we mentioned, Iowa State will open playing OU. Um, it'll be at it'll be on Wednesday night because they have to play um, in that little opening first four play-in games, you know, the ones that I forgot about on last week's episode. Yeah, those ones. Um, the men's team will be playing in those. 8.30 on Wednesday will be that game. That game will be broadcast on, I assume, one of the ESPN networks. I'm looking it up right now. It'll be broadcast on ESPN for those who want to watch what is probably the last game of the Cyclones. And Selection Sunday is on Sunday, guys. Like, let's not forget about that. Like, Wait, hold up. Selection Sunday is on Sunday? Like this upcoming Sunday, not just like a Sunday, like this upcoming one. Well, by the way, I'd just like to point out that we made it. We've played a full, nearly a full NCAA season. If you all remember this time last year, like Mike talked about before, we played one game in the conference tournament and then everything shut down. So, we, yeah, and I remember Iowa State lost on a buzzer beater in that game, right? Yeah, like they they just they decided not to stop ball on a transition layup up one with ten seconds left. Like stop ball. That's like the fifth graders know you stop the ball on the transition. I would I would argue that third graders know that. That's like one of the first things you teach. I mean, that's all the third graders know, though. Everybody goes to the ball when you're in third grade. He's got the ball. I gotta go get the ball. And then you leave everybody on the wings so open. But, but nobody can shoot anyway, so it doesn't matter. Right. Anyway. Um, yeah, so look out for that. Um, conference tournaments. Iowa State still controls their own destiny to the national championship. So why you've got multiple uh, NCAA tournament Iowa State predictions on the board. Um, they're still all on the board. I'm not taking them off until they lose. I mean, yeah, technically you can't, but we all know my predictions ain't going to come true. I mean, yes, you're probably correct. I highly doubt they're all true, but... You never know. You never know. The women, on the other hand, are having much more success 
Um, like we talked about last week, they did manage to beat KU um, to secure that four seed in the Women's Big 12 tournament. They will play five seed Texas. Um, that game will be on Friday at the bright and early time of 10.30 a.m. Um, the Women's Tournament is also in Kansas City this year as opposed to normally in Oklahoma City. Um, so that'll be um, going on simultaneously with the Men's Tournament. You can find that game 10.30 Friday, um, ESPNU will be the, the television for that game. Um, unlike the men, the Cyclone women are a virtual lock to make the NCAA tournament, regardless of what they do um, in, this, uh, in this Big 12 tournament. It'd be nice to get a win over Texas, um, but again, they'll be in with a fairly, they're comfortably in at this point. They've done enough to be very comfortably in. So if you want to watch Iowa State in the postseason, it'll have to be the women when that tournament comes around um, soon, soon after, around the same time as the men, man, same time. Every. Women better than men this year. Um, but of course, the question that surrounds the men's team going into the off season is going to be, what do you do with Coach Prom? That That's a question. I mean, I saw you both shrug your shoulders. I, that's sort of where I'm at too. It's like, what, what do I, I don't know. Would I be upset if you fired him? No. Would I be upset if you kept him? No. You so, shouldn't fire him unless you have somebody in mind to replace him, though. Is right. what I would say. He hasn't been bad enough that you should fire him and just start over. You got to know what you're going to get if you fire him. So, And that's exactly where I'm at. You, you cannot fire Coach Prome unless you have an immediate replacement. Don't go firing him and name one of his assistants, the interim head coach. That's not going to do – that's not going to solve anything, especially for the recruits that Iowa State has lined up. Um, Ty, Tyree Hunter, who is their top recruit next year, who is a four-star recruit out of uh, Wisconsin, which produced Tyrese Halliburton, he just got done winning his high school state championship. If you fire Coach Prome and name an interim assistant without any possible, like, thought of you know where's the stability going to come from you're going to end up losing your recruits and prospects and it's going to be even longer of a rebuild than it might possibly be as of right now and who knows with uh Xavier Foster coming back hopefully healthy next season um and a full off season for some of these older people in the program Bolton we're getting uh, Henson in, who is the transfer from Old Miss. He'll be able to play this year. Blake Henson. Um, what can a full, an actual full offseason do? I, I am not a pro prone. Like, we must keep him going forward. He has to be our lock at head coach for this team. But you have to think about the stability coming out of such a tumultuous year altogether um and i think it just makes more sense to keep prone for another year than it does to you know, break that up right now but for sure his job is on the hot seat next year i mean for all those people who are a part of the keep prone crowd that here's just a stat for you matt campbell's big 12 wins in five years at iowa state he has 26 big 12 wins in football prone in five years at iowa state has 30 Big 12 wins, and he plays 18 games a season in the Big 12 conference. That it's 
well, I mean, that just goes to show that apparently now we're a football school, but that there needs to be some resemblance of steps forward in the program. Prome has the ability to recruit. We have seen that. And at the, the players that he has put into the next level, exactly. it, it's remarkable at recruiting, but this year he needs to prove that not only can he win the battle on the recruiting front, getting the players that he likes to coach, but he needs to prove that he can win with his players because most of those big 12 wins came from Fred Hoiberg's uh, Monte Morris, Matt Thomas, George Nian collection. So Prom has a lot to prove, and I think he needs to get off to a hot start, especially in non-conference, and he needs to be a top four finisher, I believe, in the Big 12 Conference next year in order to retain his Yeah. I'm, I guess when I think about it, I'm also on the uh, don't fire him bandwagon. I mean, it's not like, like Minnesota is going to fire Patino at the end of this year, but part of the reason Minnesota is going to fire Patino is because uh, – Brian Dutcher at San Diego State literally has language written into his contract that says my buyout doesn't apply if I go to Minnesota. Like literally, he has language in his contract. He's got a $7 million buyout unless he goes to Minnesota where it's zero. So it's not like Iowa State has somebody like that who really wants to come, really wants to go and uh, coach at Minnesota or to go coach at Iowa State. So I don't think you fire him because I don't think you have a good replacement in mind. Right. So. And I was going to say, who's who's the best replacement and who does everyone know and love who they'd want, possibly want to have back? So That's the mayor. And well, he, I mean, hasn't be, he hasn't been fired at Nebraska yet. And you're not going to you're not going to go and buy him out from Nebraska. Iowa State's not going to pay Nebraska money after they left the Big 12 conference. There is no way Jamie Pollard does that. Nebraska can just, you know, go off into their little stupid old state and play in the Big Ten where they get absolutely smashed every year in every single feasible sport because they're garbage. You know, their football team doesn't work. Their basketball team is trash. Sorry, Fred Hoiberg. Kyle, it do you have any? Does it work? Do you have any hard feelings about Nebraska? I can't stand Nebraska. I don't but. hate – see, I don't hate Nebraska, and that's probably because, like, they transitioned to the Big Ten right as I was transitioning from being a Big Ten fan to a Big 12 fan. So it's like – like, they just transitioned at the time where I was like, I missed them both times. So it's just like, eh, they're Nebraska. Yeah. I mean, it's good for you, but, hey, it's helped Minnesota because, you know, they basically get a freebie win every in the Big Ten West. Football and basketball, honestly. I mean, they lost to Nebraska this year in basketball. Well, hence hence why Patino is getting fired. That's your own fault. Yeah, that team's a disaster. Anyway. Wyatt, do you have any additional thoughts that we haven't already exercised? I don't know that bringing the mayor back would be a good idea, and that's just a gut read. Nothing to back that up. My I other concern with you. My other concern with Prome is that yeah, he's good at getting recruits, but it seems like all of his title recruits are one and done's like I would like to see more players that that come to Iowa State and stay here for three or four years before moving on to the NBA or Jeek like you know look at THT or honestly that's what Halliburton was projected to be that no one ever projected Tyrese Halliburton to come in and be a done in two seasons really not even two seasons really honestly just one because of 
how his injury impacted his second season. Um, but a very not highly rated player out of Wisconsin coming in, he looked like he was going to be the next Monte Morris of the program, your player that then turned pro. So I don't blame him for some of the recruits. I also think Taylor Horton Tucker also believe Lindell Wigington left early and you can't blame Prome for I can blame Prome for the Wigington decision because he pissed off Wigington and that's why he left. Yeah, as I, I said that, I started to think about that and I was like, yeah, you don't <laughs> don't put a five-star player as your sixth man off the bench. No. Like, I, yeah, the Horton Tucker decision, I mean, that was that had nothing to do with Prome, or at least nothing obviously to do with Prome. Maybe there was right. something behind the scenes we just don't know. But yes, the Wigington decision, if Wigington would have been starting after he came back from that injury, he would have been, uh, I, I probably think he stays another year. So I, I would agree with that. But And I don't blame Tyrese Halliburton at all. And he, mm-hmm. a projected, really a projected top six pick, ended up sliding, you know, for whatever reason, but he's proving it and did what he had to. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what this Tyrese or Tyree Hunter situation is they're also in the running for the Ames high school kid who's highly recruited as well right now um so we will we shall see how this program uh goes moving forward but there are definitely some decisions to be made this offseason so speaking of offseason decisions uh one of the biggest question marks surrounding the league well in the past, especially last season, not right now, as there's so much, uh, so many rumors around Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson at this point. But another quarterback is off the market, and another team has locked up a quarterback for the at least the next four years. Uh, Dak gets the sack, um, not necessarily getting sacked in a actual football game, but he. Uh, got himself a nice little bag of cash with $124 million guaranteed on his deal. His deal is a four-year, $160 million contract, up to $164 million in incentives. This uh, would be the most guaranteed money in a contract in NFL history. Uh, This actually surpasses the Patrick Mahomes deal in terms of guaranteed money as well as average value um, per year for the next four years. The interesting thing about that is there are only two quarterbacks next season who are going to be paid $40 million a year. Those two quarterbacks, Dak Prescott and... Kirk Cousins! Three quarterbacks. Well, not I guess not yet, but it's projected that Tom Brady's salary will probably be up there as well. So two quarterbacks right now between the Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins deal. Um, So Dak Prescott as well in his deal has a no trade clause as well as a, um, I wrote down no trade provision, but that isn't a no tag provision. Um, I mean, there. So just my thoughts on it. I, I think that the Cowboys overpaid for what they're getting do I think Dak Prescott is a great quarterback? Yes. Do I think he is a top, win healthy top 10 quarterback in the league? Maybe. 
He's getting paid. He's getting paid top two quarterback in the league money. And yet when you look at his last fully healthy season, well, actually first he's six and 11 in his last 17 games in for reference, Andy Dalton, who was getting paid, I believe $5 million last year for the Cowboys went five and five in games that Dak Prescott was not playing in. Uh, so that just goes to show that you can get 500 football for way less than $40 million a year. Uh, and in 2019, his last fully healthy season that he played, the Cowboys were six and four after week 11, they proceeded to finish the season two and four and miss the playoffs, but, uh, ending up eight and eight overall as they lost the division to the Philadelphia Eagles. Statistically speaking too, uh, Dak Prescott goes wherever Zeke and the offensive line go. Now, a lot of you are probably wondering, well, no, duh, a running game helps a quarterback and a good offensive line keeps him from getting sacked. Of course, but look at teams around the league who have great quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers has has had offensive line issues during his career and stability at the running back position hasn't always been um, a thing that he has been provided as, and you can talk about the talent at wide receiver that he has along with him, the Dallas Cowboys, they have Amari Cooper. They had uh, other players that as well, that were definitely better off overall than the green Bay Packers wide receiver core. You got Russell Wilson, who's scrambling for his life on every single play, especially in a division where they have good defensive line talent. Um, you look at Tom Brady, who, yes, he's getting paid a ton of money, but Tom Brady is the offense. Tom Brady can get you out, get win you football games and win you Super Bowls, no matter how much he's getting paid. In my opinion, Dak Prescott getting paid this amount of money, the Cowboys basically said, all right, $40 million a year out of whatever the new salary cap is, probably $180 million or somewhere in that ballpark per season, the Dallas Cowboys for the next four years said, yeah, we're not winning a Super Bowl. You can't pay your quarterback that much money with an older roster like the Dallas Cowboys have with so much money also tied up in Amari Cooper and Zeke, uh, Ezekiel Elliott as well, and be able to go out and get necessary free agents to shore up your offensive line and to fill holes in a defense that can't even compete to win a division in probably the weakest division in the NFL right now, going forward, it's going to be weak. It, it, well, it's actually going to be getting a little bit better in terms of the Washington football team is more stout on defense. Uh, and we'll so see. Kyle, do you hate the Cowboys, Dak Prescott or both? I don't hate Dak Prescott, <laughs> but I, I, I can't stand Jerry Jones and how he runs that franchise. I also don't like the Dallas Cowboys, honestly. I'm going to put that out there. but I, I couldn't tell by all the stats you just railed off about how this is a bad deal. I couldn't tell. Does it <laughs> – but does it not I, seem like a bad deal? To I don't – no, I don't disagree with you. Like, I, I don't – Help me understand if I'm wrong here. I don't, I don't think I am. I don't think you seriously, but I think this is a this is an NFL problem, not a Cowboys problem, right? Like the issue is not that Dak Prescott 
specifically is making $40 million from the Cowboys. The issue is that quarterbacks of quarterbacks of Dak Prescott's talent are making that much money from teams in general. That's the problem. And that's an NFL problem, not a Dak Prescott problem. The Cowboys got 99 problems and paying Dak Prescott 40 million a year is just another one to tack on the list. I mean, yes, I'm not so saying now the they have a hundred problems. Yeah, like, I'm not saying the Cowboys baby. don't have other problems either. But what I'm saying, right, is eventually the team just have to say, no, we can't pay above average quarterbacks that much money. You just can't do it. You can't make a team while paying a single player. Yes, quarterbacks are important, but you can't put a good enough team around them paying a, an above average, an right. above average but not great quarterback. <laughs> And that's that what I was fun. that's what I was hoping to get at. But whereas the only really the only quarterback who you can, I I'm not even arguing for Patrick Mahomes here yet because he's still making way under what some of these other quarterbacks are. So they have the ability to play other pay other people. The only quarterback who you can pay that amount of money and still expect to win is Tom Brady. I mean, I've said it literally every year. The teams that win Super Bowls have either A all-time great quarterbacks, or B, quarterbacks on rookie deals. Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson as of recent memory. Right. Aaron Rodgers on his rookie deal. He might also be – he's also also an all-time great, I think. Was he he still under his rookie contract in 2010? I don't know because he was a later-round draft pick, so – Yeah, and I guess in 2010, if he had reached the end of his rookie contract, he was probably still getting paid way under the – I I would say that imaginary line where you cross – you cross a line where it's like we we can't pay the rest of the team enough. Either way, he's an all-time great, so – Right. It – it – I just don't see how this made that much sense for the Cowboys. But but what choice did they have? If he Fran- wasn't if franchise if they tag pay him, and go after go after another quarterback. Sure, or, but then they're gonna have to right, but because of the way the NFL is, they're just gonna have to pay somebody else that's who's equally as good as Dak Prescott that much money. Because somebody was gonna pay Dak Prescott that much money. That's right. what I'm saying. It, you're not wrong. I mean, look at it. Jimmy Garoppolo, when he got traded to the San Francisco 49ers, at that point, that was the largest contract in NFL history. Since then, you've had uh, Carson Wentz get paid, um, Jared Goff, as well as now Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, all these other quarterbacks. It Everything just keeps going up, up, and up. And where do you draw the line of mediocrity compared to what they're actually So I think... I think this was a lot of it, like good for Dak Prescott getting the contract that he wanted. Um, but I just don't know if it was smart business for. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. There's a lot to unpack. There's going to be a lot of people cut here over the next couple of weeks as players teams need to trim down their caps. A lot of big name players are going to be free agents. Yeah. It's, and it's already started to happen too. Uh, the Vikings cut Kyle Rudolph. Um LaMarcus Joyner of the Raiders, the cornerback, he was also cut as well. Um, It's going to be an absolute bloodbath, I think was the words used by um, Diana Russini, who is one of the NFL, um, I don't remember her title, but she's she's got the in with the NFL teams on um, 
contracts and players moving in and whatnot. You'll see a lot of that coming here soon. What you'll also see coming up soon is the baseball games that actually matter as spring training is uh, definitely underway. you got about a little over three weeks now until the start of the regular season opening day on April 1st. But to me, the biggest thing that stuck out at spring training is there are still no rules. The Twins used a scout as a pinch runner in the seventh inning of a game this last week. Um, what else happened? I um, saw it. I thought I saw someone say that they pulled a pitcher only to put him back in in the next inning. Yep. Reentry is allowed for pitchers. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, it's grown yeah, on me a lot. I actually love it now. I love the chaos. Know. Announcers never know when the game is going to end. You know, they they come back from commercial and just like, and apparently during that commercial break, everyone decided the game was over. So, okay, the game's over. Have a nice day, everyone. Yeah, like today the Royals were up 10-3 to 3 over the uh, Oakland A's and they just decided to call it. They were like, yep, there's no need to continue. We already know this game's over. Yeah. I mean, it's silly, but I'm looking forward to the game actually mattering, playing under actual rules here in three weeks. I'm ready for actual baseball. I am as well. Uh, the So far, the Royals have been exciting to listen to slash watch in spring training. Now, right, none of these games carry a ton of weight, especially going into the season. They carry literally zero weight. The results of the right. game do not matter. They do not matter, but what is what is in, what is actually surprising to me is I think the Royals are it it's crazy to see how the Royals have actually gone out and brought in pieces that are seemingly going to work during the season. And from a lifelong Royals fan, that is not typically something that the Royals do. They usually bring people up through the farm or make uh, trades before the trade deadline for like one year just borrowed borrowed players um it's it's going to be a fun year to be a royals fan i should say and i will definitely have a lot more interest this season than i did last season when they're in a completely different Mm -hmm. the only thing that really does matter in spring training is what happens to williams ostadio which we of course fill you in on every week in our weekly turtle tab He appeared in two Twins games um, over this last week. He got a grand total of four at-bats in those two games, did collect a hit, and also a walk. He walked, guys. He doesn't walk, but he walked. um, How does he get to the plate then? What? How does he get to the plate then if he doesn't walk? I'm just going to pretend I didn't hear that. Um, He's hitting .333 um, on the year for spring training um, and he's continuing to battle for that 26th man role on the twins roster. Um, that um, is about all you need to know about Williams Astrodio. He's continuing to play around the diamond. He's played uh, catcher and third base so far this season. So uh, we'll keep you informed in the weeks going forward, but that is your weekly total tab about Willens Astrodio. I, as I said last week, and I thought about this more and more. I actually hope, I'm hoping, Mike, that Willens Astadio does get traded because I will love this man a lot more just as long as he doesn't play for the Minnesota Twins or the Chicago White Sox or the Detroit Tigers. 
What about St. Louis? Ew. <laughs> or St. Louis. Just anywhere other than the NL Central or AL Central. Unless so it's he, the Royals. If he's not in half the league or a third of the league, you're for <laughs> Right. Okay. Whatever you say. Well, I he may I doubt he gets traded. It's possible, but I kind of doubt it. We'll keep an eye on that, though, and if there are any real Will and Zostadio trade rumors, keep in mind that's some speculation from Kyle. There's no indication that he is getting traded. Um, but if there is any real speculation, of course we will be all over it on a future installment of our weekly turtle tab. But for now, we're going to move on to our Mike's Stupid Rule segment, and Kyle, we're going to tennis for this rule. We're going to see right. if you knew I'm about here for it. Rule that we are I am, I'm locked in, whereas some of the other Stupid Rule segments, you know, just like the weekly turtle tab, tend to zone them out a little bit. I am laser-focused. All right, that's good, because here's what we're going with for rule. So in tennis, the rule um, is um, it's ITF rule number 26. Um, if a player's hat accidentally falls off during a point, what happens? Kyle, can you tell us? Do you know this rule? Um, I never ran into this in my time playing, and I'm not sure I've seen it in live action. I would my, – my educated guess is that the point could possibly be replayed if the hat somehow interferes with the – with the actual point itself, i.e. the ball coming in contact with the hat on the ground or possibly the player themselves like slipping or sliding on. Am I anywhere close? Yeah, you're mostly correct. Um, So the official rule is basically that if a player's hat accidentally falls off, that's a key, or a ball accidentally falls out of their pocket, um, it is a replay of the point. but as a, a, the, it's a distraction that's considered a hindrance to the opponent. So it doesn't actually have to interfere. Like the ball doesn't have to hit the hat, right? Basically the opponent can claim that was a distraction and the point is a let and then is replayed. Basically. Um, Are there really profile would happen in the 2012 U S open Andy Murray's hat fell off. Uh-huh. Um, he was hitting an awesome drop shot. His hat fell off. There's no chance his opponent was getting to the drop shot, no matter what but he claimed the hat was a distraction and got the point we played anyway. So, so I guess, are there any provisions in the rule? So like the umpire calls it right. Or you can, as the opponent, you can call it, but are there any provisions in the rule where it's, is if the umpire calls it, the opposing player can reject it if they had a positive outcome on the point. I presume that, um, I presume that as long as it's not called during the point, right? If the umpire calls something during the point, the point's right. dead. Yeah. But I presume after the point, um, right? If it's called after the point, then it may the yeah, the opponent may choose not to do it. Well, but yeah, if it's called during the point, obviously the point's dead and it's a, there you go. That is what happened if you if you had hat accidentally falls off. Um, during a point in tennis. And it's a good thing this isn't enforced in uh, high school tennis because my hat would fall off quite a bit. It was not the uh, tightest fitting hat. So especially when I had my hair cut, cut short like I have it right now, the hat would fall off probably once or twice a match. So there you go. That's what happens if your hat accidentally falls off during a point. 
moving along further to the um, write that down predictions segment, we again have a short accountability session. Um, it'll get longer over the coming weeks as conference tournaments and NCAA tournaments happen and baseball also gets um, underway. So we've got that. But for this week, there's only one thing to come off the board. Um, it is from Josh. He had a late addition. Um, remember, I mentioned on last week's episode that I forgot to ask him very far in advance um, about his prediction last week. He did get back to me like five minutes after we finished recording. Um, and his prediction it was that he would set his fantasy basketball lineup every day last week. Um, we gave him a single for this because it was a short week and um, because of the all-star break. But either way, uh, he just didn't do it. He didn't get any of the days last week setting his lineup. Um, so for that, Josh gets a nah. That is all we had on our accountability session this week. So Kyle, you want to start putting things back up on the board? Yeah. So I am, I, I'm like buying into the hype. I get maybe not buying into the hype, but I just think that Bobby Witt Jr., who is the uh, Royals number two overall pick from the 20 or sorry, 2019 draft. I should say, uh, will in fact play in the major leagues this season. Do you see he had a 480-foot home run on Monday in spring training? Uh, he hit, he hit, yeah. It was a long ways. And Jeff Passan, who is the, who is he, the ESPN, is he the ESPN baseball insider? Yeah, he works for ESPN. Yeah, he, he even, um, saw it as well finally found a good video and tweeted it uh, saying that he was buying in that hype as well so he hit that ball a long ways fun fact um bobby witt jr is actually uh apparently using patrick mahomes athletic trainer as well so watch out baseball world maybe (laughs) but that should have no impact on that's just but i'm saying that he will at least play in the major leagues this season. And I will define that as not just being called up, but he has to have at least an at-bat or like a pinch run. or has to have appear a in a game. Feeling up. Yeah, he has to make it yeah. into the game. Yes, he has to appear in a game. Okay, um, boy, I have no idea. Oh, seems wild to me. So he was, he was just drafted this last, in this last draft, correct? So he's played Ooh, no professional games. baseball, technically. No, he, yeah. He, he, I think he made it to a ball. Oh, he was in the 2019 draft, not the 2020 yeah, draft. Okay. The 2019 draft. Okay. But for all of our, or for our listeners, as well as um, both Wyatt and Mike, the familiarity, they're pretty much set at shortstop with Mondesi and at second base with Nicky Lopez slash Hanser Alberto, who they got from the Orioles. Is he on the 40-man roster? Uh, that is a Because great... that'll make a difference. If he is, then it might happen. If he's not, I really don't see it. Uh, so I would say if he is on the 40-man roster, I would say this is probably a double. And if he isn't, it's probably a triple or a home run. What do you think, Wyatt? Infield. I was kind of thinking triple. But I don't know. It is not a field that he is on the 40-man roster. He's not on the 40-man. Then I would say triple for that. I'm down with that. Kyle, any disagreement? Hearing none, it is a triple for Kyle. Um, That brings us to me. Um, I'm going to predict 
that the Cyclones, between the fact that it's Hilton South and that this team is going to be too proud to not beat a Big 12 team. And it's um, hard to beat a team three times in a season. Mm-hmm. The Cyclones are going to beat OU on Wednesday in the Big 12 tournament. What does uh, ESPN's power index give us? Um, ESPN's power index gives Iowa State a 9.4% chance to win this game. Solid. Love it. Dang. Do you have I any arguments thought it was with be, the triple? Mike? I would have thought it would be higher. Yeah. Do you no. have any arguments with the triple? No. Nope. I, I don't. Nope. I think that's probably where we're going to be at. Unless right. you're Sounds trying to sway me otherwise, Wyatt. No, that's fine with me. All right, Wyatt, what do you got? I'm going to say that Javier Baez will have greater than or equal to 30 home runs in this 2021 regular season. He still for- plays for the Cubs, right? I hope so, because he hit a home run today. Okay. I couldn't remember if they DFA'd him in the offseason. No, they, they did not. That would make but me very sad. Um, uh, the only time he's had more than 30 home runs was in the 2018 season. Um, the last three seasons were eight in 2020, which I wouldn't count for anything. 29 in 2019 and 34 in 2018. So just, just a question, Mike. Did they change the baseball this year to fly a little bit less? Yes, they did. But so are naturally going to see home run averages go dip ever so slightly. I would say. I, I really can't have no impact no... on Bobby Witt Jr. hitting 480 bomb, foot bombs, but I don't think there's any appreciable difference with the change that they made. The MLB's scientists say it'll fly five feet less on balls hit. Uh, 350 feet or greater. And I was watching, I was watching a video of Brady Singer, who is one of the Royals' young pitchers, as well as Danny Duffy, who is their veteran pitcher, uh, both picking up a ball at spring training for the first time, and both looking at each other, being like, "Yeah, this is different." So I, man, I don't know. Triple, just making another triple. What? So what were his home run? What are like his average home runs per year? So we'll just look at 2017, 2018, and 2019 yeah. because um, right. those are the three that matter. Yeah. He averaged, um, quick math says, 28 home runs. So he's close. Triple, I guess. Maybe 27 average. I'm fine with a triple for that. I think it's triple. Triple. Sounds good to me. Do you have anything from Josh this week? He's still alive. Josh has a very similar prediction to uh, me. He's predicting that the Cyclones basketball team wins at least one more game, which is essentially the same prediction that I just made. So um, it has to be a triple. So I think it's a triple. I like it. That, to be honest, it's part of the reason why I wanted to give Wyatt a triple, just so we could have four triples. I mean, technically, if you read our outline, we have three triples and one tipple. Because somebody <laughs> dropped the R when they wrote down triple in a, in a mic scoring. But that's okay. It yeah. happens. As there soon as go. that gets fixed, now we have four triples to round out our Write That Down Prediction segment, which means we're at the end of that segment, which means we're at the end of the episode. Sticking around and listening to episode 122 of the Edition 11 cast. We will be sure to catch you again next week. But in the meantime, check out our Instagram at 811 cast, where we post cool pictures and you slide into our DM. Signing off for the 811 cast with your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Peter. We'll talk to you again next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.